It's a fine Sunday morning here in Raitsehi. Nisur on a hilltop is the Temepara or the Temple Tefare Fakamoimiti, surrounded by rolling hills, and from the doorsteps you can see the picturesque view of Mount Ruapehu. Fano have gathered for Sunday service. The hymn you've just sung for the explanation today, meaning be joyful and happy or remnants. This is the place of amazing grace. Uratne is the new Jerusalem, the sanctuary for us all. Let the voice of the angel sing, sing of Ratana at all times. It was the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and faithful angels who said, Come, O remnants, to the place of sanctuary. Inside the Tempepara, Tiafina Arahanga's uncle Robert takes the morning service, as is his role as a local apotoro. The pariha or parish is small. Chairs are set up in a fishbone style and the ratana stars displayed inside. On the back wall there's artwork with pictures of the buildings at Ratana Pa in Whanganui, which from Raitahi is about an hour's drive heading towards Wellington. Kaufina Arahanga is from the local iwi and hapu. The writer and poet has teamed up with her colleagues in the museum sector and architect friends based in Auckland to help restore the Temepara, the temple. Coming up on Tiahi Khan, part one of the series, we're going to follow this restoration project as Te Whare Whakamoimiti Temple in Raitahi is restored, mostly so it's able to be enjoyed by the generations of Morehu to come. Te whanau ko tahuri mai ki te kaupapa nei, koia rā te marau kōrero e whaiake nei. Nā reira, me whakarungo tonu mai. Ko Justine Murray, ahau. Te awhina Arahanga was born and raised in Christchurch. For years, she has worked as a researcher on various heritage projects, taonga Māori, or Māori artefacts, for exhibitions and museums. A writer of both fiction and non-fiction, in 2012 she was awarded the Māori Writers Residency at the Michael King Writers' Centre in Auckland, a timely residency having relocated to Auckland after the 2011 Christchurch earthquakes. At one of the local cafes in Raitahi, I joined Tiafina and architects who will be involved in the restoration project. Kia ora, my name's Rick, Rick Pearson. I'm an architect from Auckland and also, also develop uh, museums and exhibitions. Kia ora, um, my name's Christina Van Boheman. I'm an architect from Auckland and um, I've been working on this project with my partner Aaron Sills. Um, kia ora, ko kariama grip Burgess toko ingoa. I'm also an architect. I do um, look at heritage places and um, I've been asked by um, Christina and Rick to join them in this wonderful mahi. Kia ora, ka ko te awhina rangi marie arahanga ahau. Um, not an architect, but I have friends who are architects. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And we're here in Raitahi, the beautiful community of Raitahi, Te Awhinae. Um, what's the general uh, population here? I know that when there's a reunion here that the population trebles. Um, 
Give us a snapshot of the Temepara that's here in Raitehi. What's the general history? Were you brought up there as a as a kid, as a young? So my whakapapa is uh, there's two. Well, my mother always used to say, first of all, you never ignore any part of your whakapapa. And the other thing we were taught was that you have two feet. So one foot, for me, stands here in Te Atehau, in Wanganui, and the other foot stands in Te Waiponamu. So there were, we had this interconnection. So my siblings, my older siblings were brought up here in Raitahi. I'm part of the younger siblings, and we were brought up in um, Ngaitahu. Um, but our connection was always mum would bring us back here. So I think I can fondly and non-fondly remember travelling from Christchurch to Brighterhe numerous times. My mother um, was a... Um, every Sunday we went to church. The reason why I smiled is because we never knew what church we were going to. <laughs> it would be Catholic, Anglican, Methodist, sometimes Baha'i. Oh, wow. It didn't matter if it was Christian or non-Christian as long as we praised God on a Sunday. Mm. Um, and I, but to this day, I, I didn't realise um, how unusual that was, that mum just said, praise God, whatever church just happened to be open as we went past. So the Temepara is, is in need of some restorational work. How did this relationship form with these architects from Auckland? We, we touched on it briefly yeah. a little mm. bit. Mm. Um, how did this come about? You met at an architect um, <laughs> awards dinner? Was like, it? Like, like all good things. <laughs> it, you meet over food. It was met, well, no, over wine, oh, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and over wine, this was created. Um, so I think it, it, was, it was the fire of the belly that started it, really, when you have that acknowledgement that there's some, something was not quite right. You know when there's a bit of a, when tohu align? I think these, the tohu aligned. We just happened to be here. We just happened to be going there. We just happened to meet Christina, who just happened to offer this, and it was just a leapfrog from one thing to the other. So you, you, you knew then that your the temple needed some mahi done. Knew something was not quite right. Yeah. Um, it's like looking at a close family member and mm. you love that member and you don't actually notice that person is getting sick until you bring somebody else in who hasn't seen that whānau member for a long time and they go, hey, what's wrong? With And you go, oh, nothing's wrong. They go, oh, they don't look very well. Mm. Yes. <laughs> but you've been looking at it at him or for, for such a long time, you don't realise it. Tiafina is describing the current state of the temple, the Timipara at Raitahi. The offer to help with its restoration hasn't happened overnight. For the last two years, the architects and Tiafina have been working alongside the Fano, coming up with ways to raise money, planning, and meeting their needs. Architect Rick Pearson. Obviously, this is something that you're quite, that I get that you're quite passionate about, restoration. Yes, it is. Um, um, and if you lose them, they're, they're lost for, forever. When Tiafara came here some years ago, um, I saw it, and I was the person that said, this, this is sick, this is a sick 
building, and it was quite... It, the the, the Temepara is, is in a lot of architecture books. It's been written about a lot. It's on the covers of some architecture books. So it's, architecturally, it's a very important, significant, iconic building for New Zealand, apart from the Temepara side of them, the Ratana side. So we saw an opportunity of uh, being involved. Tiafan and I uh, develop museums often a lot uh, around New Zealand, and... Um, Fundraising is a big part of it, and so we sort of know that the, the marae here, um, pro- uh, we thought, needed help in that, that particular area. And so we were talking to Christine in one, uh, in a, uh, one um, an awards uh, event. Christina happened to be the president of the in- Institute of Architects at that time, so we said the Institute needs to do something. <laughs> so she took up the charge personally. It's about... I'm just thinking of the word midi midi. You have to really massage the relationship, Absolutely. work yeah. up to it. Yeah. It's not about knocking down the door, literally, in a sense. But how did you? Um, has this been a, a, a journey of sorts in the last few months that you've said, well, actually, we, we're here in a situation where we can do some some good work for the it locals? Cer- it here? certainly has. Um, it's been for the last couple of years, actually. Yeah. We're very sensitive. About, um, that we're not treading on anyone's uh, toes. Um, in restoration of a building, you know, it's, it's, it has a history, has a long history. So as architects, we, we might look at it and say, that doesn't look any good or it should be that, like this. But that's not the point. It's a living building. It has to, has, it has to like, like anything, they have to um, be used and used well and be loved by the community that they're in rather than architects coming in from outside. So our role is really to um, just help facilitate um, restoration so it will survive. Because honestly, in a couple of years, if a big storm hits, it's going to be blown away. Um, it's got a lot of leaks, uh, which means in the internal walls are rotting and the piles are original periodic p- piles, so they need to be redone. There's a whole lot of things um, that, that need to be done. And Christine and Aaron have particularly um, looked at the documentation and looked through through the elements with a fine-tooth comb. And it's having the, the heart, really, totally, for this yeah, building, totally, yeah. um, which is sitting on an amazing site. You said it was one of the most photo- photographed um, churches, buildings in New Zealand. Yes, yes, yeah. that's right, and aesthetically. I mean, yeah. it's a beautiful position. The sighting of a building is so important in, in New Zealand and here, particularly, you can see it. That, that's why it's photographed most. It catches the light the right way. Um, <clears throat> last time, as I said, uh, last time when we were here, three photographers t- turned up and sat with all their flash gear and their tripods and took all these photographs so it is it, it is uh, in a magnificent building and we can only enhance it by doing it up restoring it There are a few replica buildings that were fashioned in the likeness of the main Temepara at Ratana Pa in Whanganui, which was built in 1927 Other temples were soon established at Mangamuka, Te Kao, Te Hapua Raitsehi and Ahipara. Christina Van Bohemen founded Auckland-based Sills Van Bohemen Architects in 2001 alongside her partner Aaron Sills. During her career, she was the president of Te Kahui Whaihanga, the New Zealand Institute of Architects. So, Christina, how did you kind of come into the fold? Well, essentially, I was invited by Tafana <laughs> to, to assist. So, and as Rick mentioned, I was president of the institute at the time, and we had the institute had not long signed a kawanata with Naaho, which is the Maori design organisation, and our kawanata are both of Naaho and of the institute is Hari Williams, and so. The Kawanata has kind of given us a framework to what this was an opportunity for our profession to give something back to the community and under the framework 
of the Kawanata. And so when we came down for the first, first porphyry, Hari brought us onto the Marae, uh, along with Deirdre Brown and Rao Hoskins, so that we came offering our, our expertise to and help to try and help define what the project might be and we're still at that definition stage but the reality is of a project like this it's needed a little bit of an arrowhead of a group of us to define that in order to describe the nature of the steps that are involved a project like this can feel a bit overwhelming I think for a community so and uh, we hope today to talk to report back on what our what approaches might be and what they might cost, because that's the big challenge, as Rick mentioned, sort of the funding it. But there are some steps to get to, to or to do prior to actually shelling out enormous amounts of money or big amounts of money. So we're hoping that today we can talk about those steps and get the community to kind of um, think about this, the extent or the scope of the detail or the scope of the works and the investment. I mean, it's interesting. Graham Burgess, who's come with, who's joined us this weekend, is a heritage specialist, and he talks eloquently about the opportunity of these projects to give a gift to be a taonga to the future generations. And so we hope that our work is part of that, is is a contributing factor, or is a part of that contribution to creating something for future generations. And this is what a project such as this in the, um, presents, really. So we're meeting up for Whakamoe Miti, and then afterwards um, we'll, these delightful architects with all their mahi will then go through the process of um, what needs to be done, all the options. So that was the, from the last corridor we had decided that um, we'd look at a series of options and which ones would work for the Timapara and also look at the potential for funding after that. So at the moment, um, we've got all the ducks. If that's, if that's the right word, we've got all the ducks, and now we're going to try and start lining them up. During the opening ceremony, at Whakamoe Mati or church service, hymns are sung and the koho, or the sermon, is given by the Apotero, Uncle Robert. After this, it's back down into town at Aitahi for lunch, after which Christina presents an up-to-date plan for the restoration project. For the to give them some guidance so she could have something yeah. to cost. And actually, just to um, sort of, when we, I, have, I, I was part of that discussion, and one of the things that I sort of recommended is that when you're doing this, you go... Tiafina talks about the plan moving forward and the importance of maintaining the relationships while undertaking the restoration project. It's an, a, quite a beautiful and quite unusual and slightly weird situation to see very obvious Pakia Auckland architects. <laughs> One was the former president of the New Zealand Architect Association, but this has been a two-year... Oh, yeah, yeah, almost three years now. So, oh. yeah, so I'd love that whole quarter about Mate Aroha. It has been about that, and it's about two cultures that have kind that have come together and have accepted each other. Uh, it's been really hard for my whanau here to 
accept. You know, this they've had offers from others who've come in to say, hey, we'll help you. And they've listened and then they've said, Carl, no. But in this situation, they've turned around and said, well, first of all, they've been told off a couple of times, so, you know, they understand. Um, but they've taken them in, and I think you would have seen that today. Definitely. They're, they're just... And they seem quite comfortable at the Temepara, just kind of hanging around. Mm. Tiafina is a writer, and what she likes to do is described as vertical writing, which sounds a bit abstract, but basically, instead of words contained on paper, she likes to elevate it. So, think of walls signposts, and even headstones. Tiafina says that she likes to create written pieces or poetry so that people are literally standing in front of it, or vertical writing. In between travel and overseeing the restoration project of Te Whare Whakamoimiti, Tiafina is also finishing off a book about fish and chips. I've been working with uh, a collective of artists in Kaikoura about... Um, continue that vertical word um, and I'm, I'm also known as being slightly contentious so we've got okay. a, we've got a very contentious poem that's going down in Kaikoura at the moment oh okay like on a wall or well it was meant to be a sculpture but it's oh. I've, I've used a really naughty word um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it is it an F word or... no oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's B L O O D Y, yeah. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, And uh, I've got a book on the social history of fish, fish and chips. I've been interviewed by Radio News, and so this is one of the most embarrassing things in my life, <laughs> is that I was being interviewed for a book that had been published that hadn't been published because it just keeps exploding, and and I talking about headstones. I'm really worried that when I die, it's going to be Tiafnarangi Māori Arahanga, born 1966, instead of a dash, was writing fish and chips, and then the date of my passing. Or the passing, and then underneath, whatever happened to the fish, fish and, and chips? Book? <laughs> well, what's taken so long, Tiafina? Because it keeps exploding. It keeps exploding. It just keep, and I've said to myself, I have to draw a line in the sand. And you'll notice this now. Every time you'll hear the news, read the newspaper, listen to people, honestly, the word fish and chips drops in to every daily conversation. And because I'm consciously aware of that word, I see it all the time. For me, the story just keeps evolving and I've, I'm attempting to take some time off from the rest of the world so the, to get it done. So the main gist of the book is you travelling around the country f- sussing out fish and chip stories or sh- sussing out the best fish and chip retailers in New Zealand or the history? Oh, the history. Well, no, it's, it's complicated. It's not... So I've, I've had to hone it down to a definition. Yes. So the definition is... Um, First of all, the fish and chip shops I talk about mainly and the history of those particular fish and chips are fish and chips that are still currently bought within newspaper. So if it's not about, I will mention in in reference to, say, cafes that will have fish fish and chips chips on on a plate or in polystyrene, but this is my definition of fish and chips is 
that they must yeah. be in paper. Yes, newspaper. So yeah. a takeaway. So, okay. Yeah. So I, not only do I look, because you've said the same thing that a lot of people say to me is what's, you know, the best fish and chips. So it's part of that, but it actually goes right back to how they were made um, internationally, where, where the first fish and chips came from, why they came to New Zealand, how they came to New Zealand, what sort of influence it had on society. And I promote this when people say, oh, it's a real icon. It's actually not an icon. It's actually a part of the fabric of our society. There's not. This is the common denominator. I call it the common denominator. Mm. It is the common denominator that reaches and goes across every economic, every racial, every cultural sector within New Zealand. It doesn't matter. Every single person in New Zealand has a memory or has eaten fish and chips. If they haven't, they will definitely have a thought or a memory. So it's a, is it the sociology behind it's fish and a, chips? It's not just the sociology, but it's the recognition mm. that we have this. So people talk about rugby. Yeah. Beaches. Beaches, jandals. But this is... This is sort of like the tour of New Zealand is fish and chips. <laughs> God, can I just put a plug in for Bobby's fish and chips in Tauranga? <laughs> hey, look, I, I wasn't allowed to go back to the south when I got asked what fish and chips shop did I like, and I sort of at that time sort of naively sort of went, I'll catch 22 in Devonport. Wow, how low did I lose half my southern mainland whānau and friends, <laughs> to mention an Auckland one. Obviously, still in the works and... Um... It'll be published. I've, I've promised my son it will be out on <laughs> Christmas. I don't know what Christmas. Te awhina rangi mari e arahanga. Te ati hau nui a pāparangi, nā te tūwhari uh, so yeah, I'm one of those people who've been, like many of us, the, the whānau has uplifted and we, we float yeah, so we get to Whakapapa to, that's what I've told my children, we get to Whakapapa to the most beautiful maunga and also to the most beautiful awa. Tēnā koe Tiawhina Arahanga, writer, poet, researcher, and we also heard from architects Rick Pearson and Christina Van Boheman. Now the follow-up to this interview is that we will keep a close watch out for the restoration project of the Timipara, which will feature in upcoming episodes of Tiahika. Hioya no eteiwi hepanui taku next Sunday. We're bringing you a fantastic series where six former Māori politicians open up about their time in Parliament. Mā Tangirea will be presented by Morgan Godfrey. Tiahika will feature this series for the next few weeks and will return on the 10th of November. Nā reira, tēnei kia katoa, thanks to Alex Harmer, of course, our resident engineer. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, email tiahika at rnz.co.nz or follow RNZ Māori Stories on Facebook. Just search RNZ Te Māori.
Ko te manako ia kai te noho ora pai e koutou, hei kona mai. Wahangu anata.